Welcome to the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. And while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 28. Well, this week we have a story that always stood out to me as a kid. And I don't know if it's the story matter, the subject matter itself, or the vague Star Wars connection. I suspect it's both. But we return to King Saul. It says, In those days, Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel, and Achish said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. So Achish is saying to to David, Hey, you know, I know these are your people, but you've got to understand the deal here. We gave you a place to stay. You're going to have to fight with us against your people. And David said, you will see for yourself what your servant can do. And Achish says, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Uh, So Achish is, is, you know, he's not dumb. Uh, He's not going to put David on the front lines against his people. So he's he's having David stand with him as his personal bodyguard. Uh, So if if Achish goes into battle, David will stand with him. So David might have to fight, but he's also not dumb. I'm not going to make David go, like, be first in against his people. Um, You know, it's more of a symbolic thing. And and then uh, then it goes to uh, Saul, and it says, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel mourned for him. So the prophet Samuel is dead, and... Uh, Israel is mourned for him, and he buried him in his own town of Ramah. And Saul had expelled the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Now, this is important for the story, to understand that Saul had done this thing. And not everything that King Saul did was bad. He was not a good king. He wasn't a particularly good guy, but that doesn't mean everything he did was bad. This is what will happen. You'll have a bad leader. There will be somebody who's a bad leader a toxic leader, in some cases, maybe even an evil leader. And then somebody will point to the good things that they did as justification for why they should stick around. Oh, look at the good things that they did. I guarantee you will find something along the way that even the worst leader did that was good for somebody or in some place or in some moment. Just because an evil or a bad leader did something good, it doesn't justify it. Saul did something good. He expelled the mediums and the spiritists. He, he said this evil is not to happen in the land of Israel where the people of God dwell. And now we are coming up on Halloween. Um, I, I personally am, am just like, you know, hey, go out and trick or treat, have some fun, whatever. Um, in other places and in other cultures, like it's a really big deal. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, I know it's a debate, you know, among Hispanic uh, uh, families and stuff, you know, what do you do with uh, like Dia de la Morta? You know, I think it's great to have a day where you remember your families. I also know that like there's places where it gets very, very occultic. And so um, you can choose, do I redeem the, the, the practice and say, we're not going to get occultic. We're not going to get a spiritualist. We don't really believe that any of this stuff is, is happening, and we're going to choose to honor our, our ancestors and remember them. Or do you say we're just going to totally do away with the practice? I, I'm going to say that's a personalized decision. But that's different than getting rid of the mediums and the spiritists, you know, the people who were um, basically, you know, witch doctors, um, people who were, were calling up the dead, uh, 
doing occultic practices. Incidentally, in the ancient world, these people, occultic practices were almost always linked um, with drug use, with uh, what we would now think of as human trafficking. Uh, in the ancient world, when it talks about prostitutes, prostitutes were often linked with uh, pagan uh, idol worship and idolatry and occultic practices. So, so there were like, it wasn't just that this thing was happening, but it was always linked to other, you know, attached sins and, and blights on society and culture. I mean, it's the same thing in our day, right? The, the, uh, if you go down on McLaughlin, the, the bikini barista, the massage parlor, the, the strip club, they aren't places unto themselves. They are almost always linked to other things. Strip clubs are almost universally always linked to drugs or to human trafficking or to other, other sins or to other uh, evils on society. These, these things are never alone. They're, they're never just isolated. There's always other connected things that happen. And then the addiction that happens then leads to abuses, leads to uh, abuses of children, and, and, and so on and so on and so on. So Saul had done something good. He had expelled them. And the Philistines assembled. So this is the other side. So David is now being told, you got to come with the Philistines. And the Philistines have assembled. They set up camp at Shuman. And Saul gathered all Israel and came up at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the, Israel, uh, the Philistine army, he was afraid. And terror filled his heart. And he inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or the Urim or the prophets. So Saul was like asking God, help me. But because of his sin, because Saul would, would not... It, it just turned away from God. God's like, I'm not answering you, Saul, because you have not turned yourself to me. You haven't repented of your sin. You haven't surrendered to me. And now you're like, help me, help me, God. But, but you don't really want my help. You're just afraid of the Philistines. And the moment I help you here, then you just go back to your ways. You go back to doing your thing. And so Saul, he, he, he's like, okay, I'm, God, help me. And, he, and, he, and God doesn't speak to him in dreams. God, help me. And he goes to the priest and, and he uses the Urim and the Thummim, which was this way of asking God kind of yes or no questions. And there was no clear answer. There's no prophet speaking to him. Samuel's dead. And the, and the prophets that are around or maybe they're like, Saul, sorry, God's not giving us a word for you. So Saul said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go to inquire of her. I... I you see what he's doing? He's saying, well, God's not working for me, so I'll go do this other thing. Is the issue that God's not working for him, or is the issue that he has not surrendered himself to God? But they say, yeah, there's one in Endor. So really, had he actually expelled the mediums and the spirituals? Apparently not, because it was an open secret where one was. So Saul disguised himself, putting on her on other clothes, and at night and he took two men with him, and they went to the woman, and he said, Consult a spirit for me and bring up the one that I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know that Saul is what he's done. He's cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for me to bring about my death? So she's not dumb. She's like, Here, here's three guys that I've never met before. These aren't return customers. You know, you guys smell like cops. Is basically what's going on. And uh he says, no, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. So he's sworn a vow. He's, hey, 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 we're good. We're good. We're not cops. All right. Whom shall I bring up for you? And he says, bring up Samuel. So when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice. There is a sense, can't prove it, but I, I suspect it, 
that part of what's going on here is that she is incredibly surprised that somebody appeared. Maybe she was just an old fraud. Maybe she was a con artist. And, and I have a certain amount of sympathy for a con artist, for a, a grifter, because uh, maybe, you know, maybe something had happened. Maybe her husband had died. Her kids had abandoned her. She hadn't had any kids. And she's just trying to make her way in the world. And she's a grifter, a con artist. She, she was really good at getting gullible people to believe that she, you know, she's, she was, without knowing what she was doing, maybe she's cold reading. If you know what cold reading is, that, um, you know, she says, you, you, you've lost somebody. Uh, I, I'm sensing something in an M. Uh, an M and well, well, I had an aunt, Aunt Mary. Yes, yes, Aunt Mary, and she wants to reach to you. Um, and if and, you know, and then there's like a whole way of doing cold reading. You can look it up on YouTube. It's not hard, especially if you get a large group together. And uh, and so maybe she she was kind of a fraud. And then all of a sudden, something actually happened. I kind of get the vibe from reading this that she was not expecting somebody to actually appear. And then because it was Samuel, for whatever reason, she figured out what's going on and she realized that it's the king, it's Saul himself, the one who had put her out of business. And she says, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. And the king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up. And then Saul knew it was Samuel and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. And Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. And Samuel said, why do you consult me? Now the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy. The Lord has done what he has predicted through me. The Lord has, tor the Lord has torn the kingdom from your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately, Saul fell full length on the ground and filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all day. And all that night, okay, was this really Samuel? I don't know. I honestly don't. Uh, I, I have no trouble believing that it was. I have no trouble believing that it wasn't. I fully believe that something happened in that room. I, I say this a lot, and I'll say it again. I unapologetically believe in the supernatural. I also uh, believe that, like, there's a certain sense in which when it comes to some of this stuff, the supernatural is like the last thing that you check after checking everything else. If somebody comes and says, like, I think something's going on, I, I think there's something happening, like, I, I have all kinds of questions first, like, okay, have, you know, somebody comes and says, I, you know, I think I'm demon-possessed. Uh, okay, I want you to go see a doctor. I want you to go get a, a psychological evaluation. I want to make sure that there's not a physiological or a psychological thing happening. Yeah, hey, I want to make sure, um, you know, what's happening. Like, there's all kinds of things you want to work through, right? Because what if somebody is just off their meds? What if somebody is having a, a psychotic episode? And, and there's indications that Saul had mental health issues. And I'd never want to downplay that. So what's going on here? I don't totally know. Something happened in that room. Uh, 
and, and the indication is that Saul was not the only one to see it. If it was just Saul by himself, then I would think maybe he's having a mental episode and they just didn't have words for it. But other people were seeing and experiencing this. It's important that Saul brought two others with him and there was the woman there as well. Multiple witnesses experienced what was going on here. Whatever was going on here, the result was that Saul left terrified. And, and for whatever reason, God allowed this to happen. Was it literally Samuel being brought over from the other side to give this last message to Saul? Maybe. Let's, let's leave that as a possibility. Maybe it was actually Samuel. Are you saying you believe in ghosts, Adam? No, I do not. But I do not believe that when we die, we end. So maybe the spirit of Samuel was allowed to return, which is highly unusual in all of human history, but maybe this one time God allowed it to happen. All right, let's open to that. Maybe it was a false spirit, a lying, a deceiving spirit, but even the demons are subject to the command and will of God. They cannot do beyond what God will allow them. We're going to study the book of Job in the new year. And there are limits we learn from the book of Job to what the demons can do and how far they can go. And so it is possible that a demon decided, I'm going to, I'm going to have some fun and I'm going, I'm going to, uh, to mess with this whole situation and I'm, I'm going to appear. And then God says, all right, you're going to appear, but I'm going to use you. And you, you and your deception pretending to be Samuel, you will speak my words. That's also a possibility. It's possible that something else happened that we don't have an explanation for. Sure, and it's also possible there was some kind of mass delusion. Although I think mass delusion is kind of a catch-all that we use these days for something we just don't feel comfortable that we can't explain. Personally, if I had to guess, I, I believe it legitimately was the spirit of Samuel that God said, all right, Samuel, I want you to go and give this final message to Saul. I personally believe that's what happened. I don't have a uh, definitive statement on, on what happened there. I don't know. That's just my, my best guess. The bigger issue is this. Saul should have already known. That was Samuel's message. Saul, you don't need me to tell you what's going on. God, You're saying God's not speaking to you? God already spoke to you. Somebody says, why hasn't God shown me the evidence? He has. Why hasn't God spoken to us? He has. Why hasn't God shown himself? He has. It's your choice whether you accept or reject. It's your choice whether you listen. It's our choice whether, what we do with what we have been given. He says, Saul, you've been told what would happen. Because you disobeyed God time and time and time again, he's taken the kingdom away from you. There's going to come a point where God stops speaking to the non-believer and we, we face our final day and we might say, wait a minute, why? why Can I, can I choose now? And, and you'll be told it's too late. And the reason is, is because God has spoken and we chose to ignore. I, I just pray that more and more people will stop ignoring and start considering Jesus. Immediately, it says that he lost all his strength and the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken and said, look, your servant has obeyed you and I, I, I took my life in my hands and I did what I told you. Please listen to your servant. 
Let me give you some food so that you may eat and have strength on your way. And he refused and said, I will not eat. But the men joined the woman in urging him and listened to them. And he got up from the ground and sat on her couch. And the woman had a fatted calf at the house, which she butchered at once. And she took some flour and kneaded and baked bread without yeast. And then she set it before Saul and his men and they ate. And they got up that night and left. This woman, in many ways, was acting more honorably than, than the king and his men. She, she prepared a meal for him, even though she probably was not well off. My, my guess is that if she was in the business of fortune telling, she was probably not well off. Yet she prepared a fine meal for the king. The king probably underpaid her. The king lied to her. She was truthful. The king was deceptive to her. She acted with nobility and, and, and just did everything she could for him. I think sometimes we say, well, why is it that like this person's a really good person, but they're not a Christian? And that person over there is a Christian, but they're kind of a, a jerk. Because we think of people as good and bad people. The Bible just talks about people who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not about moralism. It's about Jesus. And there are very, very nice and sweet people who have rejected Jesus and they have sinned and they have fallen short of the glory of God. And there are people who are just grumpy, grumpy, sour faces. But you know what? They've bowed their knees. And Jesus is working in their hearts. And you can see sometimes like that grumpy face, he's just in their nature to just kind of be grumpy. And you can see where Jesus is softening them and working in them. And then there are people, it's just in their nature to be happy and optimistic and upbeat. But they will not surrender. They will not turn from their sins. And they will be upbeat until the day that they die in those sins. You know, here's the interesting thing. Saul is there with the army of the people of God. And yet there he is without God's voice. And then there's David. He's over with the army of the enemy. He's not where he's supposed to be. He's out in the middle of the mess that he's created. We're going to find out next time that David is, is, doesn't even know the full extent of the mess he's created by being off where he shouldn't be. But David is, is with God. He's God's he wants God and God's with him. And even in the middle of that mess, even though he's on the wrong side of the battle lines, David is God's man. And so I know this, that in our community today, there are people who if you were to draw up the lines and say who's on the side of God and who's not, there would be people that might stand and we might say, oh, look at them. They're, they're not with God. And we'd have no idea that they're God's woman, they're God's man. They're just in the middle of the mess. And they're in some pain and suffering, that, that self-inflicted wounds. But God's got them and God's bringing them back. And then there's people that are in their own misery. And yeah, they're, they're, on, the arm, they're, they're on the side of the army of the Lord. But man, not really. Everything that Saul went through was, was self-inflicted wounds. It didn't have to be like this. It did not have to be like this. This was the choice after choice after choice, rebellion after rebellion after rebellion, pride after pride after pride. The invitation, the reminder to us is to remember none of us are perfect. David was not perfect. Right now, David is in a bad place. 
People forget about how bad of a place David was in at this point in his life. People remember David and Bathsheba. They forget about David living in Ziklag. Wherever you're at, God is always looking, grabbing a hold of, showing us his grace and his mercy and his power. And you may say, I don't feel like God's answering me. My question to you is, has God already spoken? He's waiting for your response. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. Audio versions are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You just have to search Faith on Hill. Video versions are available on our Facebook page. You can join us on Sunday mornings, online and in person at 10.30 a.m. My name's Adam. I'm the host of the 20-Minute Bible Study. We'll see you again soon for another episode.